You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 64. I'm John, and tonight joined by Ian from the famous Titan Army magazine. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Well, not too bad, I suppose, <laughs> under the circumstances. Hi. Um, I'm glad to get Tony back on as well. How are you doing, Tony? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on again. Hi. Good to see you. Much as no one else is about to see you, because we don't put the, the visual out, but still, it's good to see you anyway and hear from you. Cheers. So, hi. Last week, we were full of optimism, full of hope. Minimum four points, we'll, we'll be we'll be fine. That was on here. I, I dare say, after the podcast, Ian, Scott and myself were chatting, we were like, right, it's Scotland, no, isn't it? Like, four points is even maybe a bit too, uh, too optimistic. And uh, as it turns out, we're in two points from the first two games. So, may as well start with Thursday. Yeah. I, I was still excited, I was buzzing. The usual big game, new campaign, but then I would say probably about maybe half hour before, then the realism sets in and you're like, oh, here we go again. We've got qualifiers and the nerves as if you went to a game and stuff like that. And uh, how how were you guys feeling ahead of it on Thursday? Thursday, oh, so excited! It was brilliant. Couldn't wait. I predicted that Scotland were going to score two goals, and I was right. But didn't think Austria would score too. So, but, uh, no, I was really excited. Um, obviously, just like everyone else in the country, really hyped up for it. I was wanting to find out what level we're at after qualifying. Uh, after we had a couple of <coughs> 1-0 defeats after we qualified in Serbia, so it was. I was interested to see how how we would fare against really good opposition, and I was really excited. And uh, like you touched on there, for the first half hour, I was wishing I hadn't turned the telly on at that point, but. It worked out not too bad in the end. What about yourself, Tony? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think you always look forward to the beginning of qualifiers, no matter what, because you always have that hope that you have that one result. You know, especially if we'd if beat Austria, you think that's a great start and, you know, we, we, we could go on to something. It's a Scottish thing, isn't it, as well? That you just think, at the back of your head, you, you just, you just don't know. You, you never know what to get with Scotland, and that's what the problem is. One minute they can be great, and in the next they they can look like amateurs. Um, and I think in both games we've probably had that where we've looked great and then also looked not great at times. Yeah, I think I got my hopes up as well. I think when I seen the team lineups, because when I seen Sabitza wasn't starting form, I thought that's a bonus. And then Alaba quite often plays midfield for them, but he ended up playing left back, which he's not done much for Bayern recently. And I actually thought Stephen O'Donnell did really well against Alaba, um, which would surprise you when you think we're Motherwell in the league and how maybe O'Donnell's been performing for his club. And Alaba's obviously, we said last week, world class. Um, so that side of things was going well and then looking at our lineup, we'd obviously discussed it in a fair bit of detail last week I think maybe there's a, certainly there was a couple of surprises 
in a way. Uh, much as we'd all said that Henry probably might start because of the type of defender he is. But then to have him and Hanley both playing, I think, was a bit of a surprise. Mm. And much as I think we'd called that McGregor could potentially not play, I think it was still a surprise not to see him in the lineup. Uh, where that? Yeah, um, it was a strange one. I mean, I didn't think Andrew would get in, to be honest with you. I, I, I thought, nah, they the, the might not go with Hedger. I've not seen enough of him, if I'm being honest, um, to know exactly what he's like, obviously. We've all heard reports that he's been impressive um, over in Belgium. Um, but, yeah, I was a wee bit surprised that he got straight into the team kind of thing. Um I don't think he'd done anything too bad. I mean, he, he looked okay. Um, he was basic. I think he maybe caught out a couple of times with pace, which was a, a bit of a worrying thing. But other than that, he seemed okay. Yeah, I think because at the beginning, um, just because we were so much under pressure, I thought he's going to have a nightmare game, actually. Mm. I thought it might just be too much for him coming in and playing, you know, right, top-class opposition and Obviously, the first half hour so difficult for the whole team, and he did all right. Yeah, he did good. Mm. Well, and showed what composure and played well. But I did have my fears at the beginning because I thought we were just going to get overwhelmed in the whole match. And thankfully, the team managed to turn it around and get get through the, the difficult stage. Yeah, I thought Hanley took some unfair criticism. I think he's just a a fall guy for Scotland that even um, if maybe the slightest of mistakes and it's everyone's on his back. Um, he probably get booked for a, a daft foul, but that happens to better players than him, and it'll happen again. So I thought Hanley was was all right. I think maybe the only moment I thought they looked a wee bit shaky was when the uh, scored his header, and I think the two of them almost left them to each other. It was like mm. who, who's picking it up. Um, the commentators seemed to think he was he was Henry's man at that point, but I don't know. I think either one of them could have tried to. To make a better effort to stop the header. Aye, they've just kind of left it to each other. That's what's happened with that one. They've just kind of left it to each other, and none of them have actually went for anything. Um, in parts, we looked good against Austria. We did, but it's always that thing when you watch Scotland against other teams. Other teams always seem to have a better first touch than us. I mean, you look at our midfield, our midfields, I, I think our midfields are really good midfield with plenty of options. But, I mean, Austria were like passing the ball and, you know, we're bringing it down, first touching it, especially first half. They were cutting us open all the time, um, which was really, really worrying. They were like getting behind us. Um, but, oh, that's, yeah, it's, it's just weird with Scotland because. I, I don't know what level we're at. I, I really don't know. That, that That's a confusing thing because I've watched this against Austria and Israel. Austria, I think, are a really good team. And Israel, I think, are a decent team. But I still couldn't place where we're at level-wise. I, I don't know if we're like a, a good solid team or we're just a lucky team or a defensive team. Or, or, I, I don't know. I, I still don't know where we're at. I think we've definitely made progress. And if you look at the Oh, score, yeah. We're not losing a lot of goals at all. Mm. Um, we are hard to beat. We are becoming hard to beat. I keep on thinking the longer we go on and the, we've got the squad there, we're thinking we're going to get better. 
and hopefully we will. We're playing sort of good opposition at the moment. Mm. If you look at the rankings, yeah, Austria, I think we did well against them. I thought we did after the first half hour. <coughs> well, if you jump to the Israel game, where Israel are below us in the rankings, they're number 87, I think we are 48. You know, we should be doing better, but against Israel was touch and go and think mm-hmm. the Israel game yet, but it's just, you know, we're, we're competing at a high level, but mm-hmm. we're not beating the teams that are below us. Well, that's the kind of frustrating part, I think. Do you think there's a danger though that obviously both games we went behind in both games that maybe we're being a bit too cautious and we don't start playing until we go down? That, that's not you're not always going to get the maybe be fortunate enough to get a draw out of the game. But these these types of games, I think, I, I, I think Austria are a decent side. I don't think they're. I, mean, don't, I think they're on a par with us. I don't. I think it was fifty fifty in terms of who could take it. I think probably a missed opportunity. I think even though they went ahead both times. I don't think they were. I don't think they were great. They were a good side, but not not great. I, th- I think with Austria, it's the home games. I think Austria at home. I think we should be looking to win that kind of game. You know, by a one 0 or a two one or something. That's the kind of games I, I think we need to win. Um, a draw, I think, is quite disappointing. And then obviously, what happened next game makes it e- even worse. Uh, they are a good team, Austria. They, they are, but at home, I think we we need if we've got any ambition to get to the playoffs because I I don't think we'll win the group. I think Denmark's going to run away with our group, and it's basically between us, Israel, and Austria for the second place. We need to win our home games against them. Yeah, I agree. I think regardless of whether us fans and or not, yeah, you want to be to get as many points as you can in the home games. Um, so. But on, on the flip side, we've shown great character to come back from behind twice. Second time mm. performance, we, we did look a lot better. Um, I think there's still there's still a concern, which is weird when he's one of the best players in his position, Andy Robertson. Just we're not getting the best out of him because he's not a he's not a wing back. He likes to have someone in front of him. And weirdly enough, it was actually Tierney that was getting up the left more from centre back. Um and getting crosses in and contributing, I felt to you, and he was probably one of our better players on Thursday. I think it's a shame Tierney's not playing in his natural position because we're not we're not getting the best out of Tierney because um, he's runs up the wing and crossing it in. He's absolutely fantastic. Robertson is taking a lot of stick. You just need to look at the online comments. And that, mm. but he's getting a lot of stick at the moment, and probably of all the players, he's the one that's everyone's saying is underachieving or saying it. Tierney and Robertson can't play in the same team or the same side of the pitch. Yeah. Um, he, got, but, he got a wee bit of stick as well in BBC Radio Scotland after the game. I had a wee listen afterwards. And uh, he, um, Robertson, Andy Robertson, I, they, were, they were blaming him for um, putting in bad options for crosses, which I thought was a bit harsh, to be honest with you. And Billy Dodds um, and um, your man... Um, Richard Gordon, um, we're, we're having a wee go at him kind of thing, which feels a wee bit unfair. But I think it's very similar to when Kenny Dalglish played for Scotland. Maybe we expect too much because he plays for a big team who wins stuff, and we expect him to be that same player. But he's not surrounded by that quality, unfortunately. I agree with you. Uh, yeah, there's been plenty of players over the years, haven't there, that mm. and had a hard time with the Scotland fans. 
like I don't know, I'm thinking Hanson or just players who played in a team, a uh, successful club team, like in Liverpool and places like that, mm. come into the national team and just, they don't seem to produce at the same level. Uh, just mm. as you're saying. Fletcher got for Darren Fletcher got it for a long time because he was a Man United, the Man United do, were doing well. And if you remember when Fletcher first broke into the Scotland team, he was like he was gonna be this new Matthias for us and everything. And obviously, again, he's not got the same players surrounding him in the Scotland team that he did for Man United. And he was a bit of the the whipping boy for a while when he was playing the Man United. Yeah. I think he probably did do, do look a bit better second half against Israel, whereby he had Ryan Fraser in front of him. Um, but I think, no, probably other aspects of the game, no, didn't go as well, because I thought down the right, we didn't really have any width in the second half, because Christy, to me, is never a, a winner. He, he, he can't play there. He wants to cut in all the time. Whereas Fraser's capable of going to the outside. And actually, Andy Robertson's really good, as opposed to going on the overlap. He's really good at actually underlapping players. Um, and coming inside and getting the ball. So I thought he looked better that way. So do we at times play four at the back? Or are we in a, anyway, a position again whereby are we changing formation again? Because I maybe think, the three at the backs, is it not working? Are we not getting the best out of the attacking options that we've got there? I've said this before. I, I, I think Clark's main aim is to get as many of the midfielders in his team as he can because that's his, his strength. It's basically the midfielders and I don't think he will go away from the three at the back the three stroke five because he wants to try and get as many his midfielders in there and I understand that because the midfield at this minute in time is our strongest area of the team um, so yeah we've got attacking midfielders as well that's that's what I like about it we've got people that can do a lot can create a lot Um so that's why it's just probably disappointing that we never got anything more from the games. When you think about it, we've got an attack in midfield. Mm. You know, players that can cut teams open. Um, and go to the second team. Israel, we had Adams and Fraser up front. You know, that was on paper looking brilliant. I was well pleased with the team. I think it was quite attack-minded. McGinn going more forward as well. Uh, after his wonder goal in the first game, which we've not even spoken about. We've not spoken about yet, no. What about that for a goal? Oh, yeah. It was one of those weird ones that just kind of happened all of a sudden. It just it just happened and you were like, well, did he actually do that? Um, yeah. Because I'll be honest with you, with five minutes to go, I thought that's as we're beat. I'm not going to get to this. We're 2-1 down. We didn't really look like we were going to score. And then he popped up and scored a pitcher overhead kick. Um, aye, it, was, it was a really, really goal. He took it well. So he did... Um, but again, some, something that came out of that game that was a bit, uh, which would affect the next game, I should say, was that a lot of pundits afterwards were saying that McGinn should be playing more of attacking midfield, more up, up and they'd done that in the Israel game. Now, I don't know if Clark kind of went by what people were saying and decided to do that because. For me, McGinn played fantastic in the first game. Second game, I, I don't think he, he played at all. I, I don't know if it's because we pushed him too much or we put too much pressure on him. Yeah, I think he's better 
I think he's better coming from deeply like, into the box and stuff like that. I don't think he suits playing just off the striker much as we have done at times. He maybe just didn't have a, a particularly good game against Israel. Um, but I think that was because they've done that, that they tried to play him behind the strikers and I'm more of attacking because there seemed to be this kind of shout that everybody that, uh, from a lot of pundits and what have you that McGinn should be more of an attacking minded midfielder. Yeah, to me, like you, uh, I would say he's more of a, a midfielder who wins the ball and then can attack, like a box-to-box kind of midfielder, yeah. not not an attacking. Similar to what Petrov used to be at Celtic. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to maybe question marks on Thursday were whether we kept Dykes on for too long. Dykes didn't have his greatest of games. He was evidently kind of tried, wasn't he coming off? Um, there was a moment as well, obviously, whereby the keeper almost gave an assist. And I think if he had been, if that had been the Dykes of last, maybe September, October, he would have scored. Whereas he kind of was a bit hesitant and the keeper managed to recover and we didn't score there. But possibly maybe Adams in hindsight maybe should be a started Adams instead of Dykes. On Thursday, I would, I would, I would like, I would like to add to have started uh, just because of the rave reviews he's getting and he's in form. Mm. Um, and Dykes, does, although Dykes has just scored, uh, building up to the game, you know, hadn't been scoring many goals. So I would have liked Adams on just because he's an informed player. Uh, taking nothing away from what Dykes has achieved in his time, he was like a breath of fresh air coming to the team and he was fantastic up front. But maybe just now, just not firing, firing on all cylinders and. You know, I'd like to see Adam starting uh, the Pharaohs game anyway. That would be good. Well, yeah, I'd imagine it would. Well, uh, I think both teams suffered from poor refereeing decisions. We should have definitely had a penalty. Uh, yeah. The goal that Kalijic scored, I didn't see any foul on Tierney at all. So I think we can yeah. say he got a decision wrong for both teams. Yeah. If you saw Tierney on the ground there, he didn't see him completely playing or anything, I think he just looked up and saw the ball going in the net thinking, oh no. Uh, so yeah, we definitely got off of that one. Definitely. Um, but I don't understand how we never got the penalty because that was right in front of the, the referee. There was a stone yeah. wall wrapped around him. So why not? I just can't understand these decisions. And it, I mean, that could have, you know, if we'd lost that game, that would have been a signal that we didn't get something as blatant as that. Do you not think, like, in the qualifiers, especially in Europe, they should have VAR? For the qualifiers, because every nation can surely afford well, the amount of cameras that are there for games. Even like a Gibraltar game, they've got cameras doing the game. So surely for something that's as big as qualifying for the World Cup or the Euros, we should have like VAR after you, because they will use it in the finals. Yeah, it's maybe just come down to cost that no other nations can afford it or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, you would think they would have it because even when John McGinn scored. His first reaction because he's used to it in the Premier League being mm. up in there, he's like, Was that a goal? <laughs> and, then, and then he could celebrate. He was well on side, there was no doubt, but just at the time, obviously, it was time stood still. But the thing is, though, I mean, every game is covered. I mean, every game is live in the telly somewhere, you know, especially for the European games. Yeah. So I, I don't understand because I know I've got a mate um, who's a Portugal fan. And he was going absolutely crazy about the Portugal goal. Like he chopped off against Serbia. Um, where Ronaldo scored. And the Serbian boys cleared it off the line. But it was like a good foot over the line. 
in the last minute, and that would have won the game for Portugal. But I, I, I just I just find it bizarre that we don't have that um, for the qualifiers. We don't have any VAR. It's an interesting one because see if you don't have VAR, you want it, and if you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've definitely got mixed opinions about it because it stop and starts the game. And then sometimes, you know, if there's an incident that um, say it's a handball in the penalty box that hits off someone's hand. Mm. And if the referee goes and looks at it and got to spend quite a few minutes and even in slow motion still can't make up his mind and then still has to make a decision it should really just be down to his first opinion I think so that's why you've got a fourth official a fourth official should definitely be able to say yeah. and give the information through the you know the head the mic sort of thing so and also ever after what happened to the women's team with the penalty shootout against Argentina which was like a fraction off the line yeah. and had to retake it and I should moved again she would have been sent off so i don't you know it's a bit extreme in some views see i i'm, I'm not a big fan of her if i'm being honest that being said if they get used it for the finals then i think it should be implemented because for me the qualifiers are just as important as the finals you, exactly. you, you know because yeah. like it's, it's a lot of money for teams to get there you, you know so if you get have it in the finals i think you should have it in the qualifiers yeah, because it would have been a sickener if we hadn't hadn't got the penalty and lost that game. Mm. And it, and it's happened in the past. You know, if you think of dodgy decisions when we played Italy at Hamden and uh, Italy got a free kick when it was a free kick to Scotland and they went, they went up the other end and scored and broke our hearts. Mm-hmm. So, well, because you you know what will happen in the Euros. There'll be an incident like that that will happen against us. The referee will not see it and will go to VAR. And a penalty be given, and that's where I think the inconsistency kind of goes wrong for teams, because in, in one sense you're getting penalised for not having VAR, and in the same side you're getting penalised for having VAR. Just, just you, wait, you know, just wait to the 90, 90th minute at Wembley, and we get a penalty because of it because of VAR, and win mm. the game. Oof. absolute awesome. scenes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd be made up in that way. But if I, if I was to be fair to everybody, my level-headed fairness, um, I think it should be all the way through. I, I don't agree with it being used at random times. Aye, no, I would say you're right. Uh, much as I, the World Cups are a fair bit away, but aye, the Euros will be be using it obviously as well. Um, the game itself, I think a draw was a fair result. I think both teams, I think, kind of cancelled each other out. Um, yeah, it was a exciting second half, especially. I think, I think Scotland did well to, you know, we'd have liked a, a home victory, obviously, to get ourselves to a really good start. Having watched the game and watched how much under pressure we were at the start, and to come out and to be behind twice, so getting a draw, quite happy with that, really. Having watched the game, you know, obviously we wanted the three points, but the way the game went, I thought we did well to come back twice and at least get a draw. Hanley's header was good as well. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Good cross in, good keeper in, and good header. Who impressed you for uh, Austria? Apart from Roy Kalajic, he was, I think, maybe the danger. Grealish, I thought the boy Grealish in midfield was good. With a long hair, he stood out. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember now. Um... Who was who was the striker? The boy that was up front in the first half. They seemed to be always getting through. It was they played Grebeck and Kalajic. 
So Kalijic was the big one that scored the goal, or scored the both goals, didn't he? Um, and then Grebic was the, the kind of smaller one. I say smaller one, I think he's about six foot one or six foot two. Um, so yeah, they, did cause, they did cause us problems, early doors. I, I heard them um, in the commentary saying that the manager gets a bit of a abuse because the Austrian people think that Austria should be a wee bit more attacking. And you can see why, because the first touch is good. They've got a great first touch when they control the ball. I mean, at times they're doing you know, great wee triangles through the Scottish midfield uh, and they're spraying it around a lot. Um, so you could, you could probably understand why Austrians do get frustrated that they don't maybe attack as much because they've obviously got something about them. But I think that one of these countries are flatter to deceive. They're always kind of being promised as the next good country to watch and they don't seem to get on to that next stage. I think they're a bit like us in the fact that they don't have width. They were getting, they were only trying to get their width from their fullbacks. They didn't have any actual anyone out wingers causing any problems, which helped a little bit. Mm. They got a bit of a fright, didn't they? Because they went behind against the Pharaohs, didn't they? they yeah. Went, I seem to remember that came through on the television, thinking, oh, wait a minute, this could be quite a good night. <laughs> but soon after they, they scored and went ahead. But, yeah, losing a goal, going behind at home to the Pharaohs, well, gives us a bit of hope anyway, when we go there. Aye. Well, I suppose the thing from the Austria game as well is that when we go there, I don't think there's anything to be scared of. No. And the more the team develops and play together, we're playing good teams at the moment. Then we've got the Euros, so we'll have played three games in the Euros. We're interested to see how that goes. Um, we'll played six, is it six to win it? Sorry? Six games to win it? <laughs> we'll play more than three, Ian, come on. Oh, yeah. What was I thinking about? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what I was thinking there. <laughs> yeah, so after they played the six games, looking forward to the games in September. Um, you know, we should, be, yeah, six games, so we should be pretty much as a unit by then. Do you know what? You know you're a Scotland fan when you think, well, yeah, we've got six games, we could win the Euros. But on the same side, you look at a World Cup draw and think, Moldova could be the one that could slip us up. Aye. Was, <laughs> I was talking to my boy earlier and he was saying, oh, looking back to, was it Portugal? And they, was it five, I think they drew five games out of six and managed to win the tournament. Mm. Oh, well, let's hope for us then. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. If you don't get beat, you've always got a chance. Um, but yeah, moving on to the Israel game. It, did it become almost must win? Obviously, we never won it, but... I thought I thought we'd have to win it, really, after the draw at home. Was, mm. I was saying the four points would have been good from the first two games, whatever way we got it, but it did definitely become more essential that we beat them, a team that we should be able to beat, or we can beat. Um, yeah, so I was disappointed we never got the got the result or really the performance. Um, don't know what other people thought, but I thought that the team on paper looked really good and strong, mm. attack minded. Um, so I was kind of hoping for a performance like we got against Serbia. We just got out and went off to a flyer, but it just didn't materialise. We just sort of seemed a bit flat at times. Who who's the boy that plays out in the right for Israel? Is it Bayasa or something like his name is? Uh, he, now, I, I think I mentioned this the last time. The last time we played them, they went. Th- they played central. Everything went through the centre with them, and it never worked. I, I remember saying that. 
Because I remember saying on the pod that um, the time before that, when they played down the wings, they were far better against us at Hamden, if you remember, because that boy was flinging crosses. And if you remember the last 20 minutes of that game at Hamden, the one each game, where basically we were like hanging on yeah. for the last 20 minutes. Um, and they done that in this game, the first half, everything went out to that lad. It was just crosses coming in constantly. And also, if their number seven hadn't been as selfish, he was a great wee player. Oh, it's a hobby. Yeah, but he wouldn't pass the ball. He, he, he kept looking for the glory goals. Um, and instead of playing balls in when there was overlaps. Um, in that first half, we could have been in, in real trouble. We could have been maybe two down. Um, I'm going to stick off with David Marshall because he got above abuse towards him because of the, the goal. But yeah, it wasn't great, but he made two cracking saves before that goal in the first half. There was one that was low down he got to, um, and there was another one that he, he got to. He kind of tipped it. Um, second half, I thought we were far better. We, we were a much better team second half. Uh, we looked more attack-minded. We kind of stopped them go, using the wings, and then they had to then go back through going the middle again. And, and they weren't the same team. They struggled again to try and play through us through the middle. Um, and I thought we played well second half. Just just Scotland being Scotland, unfortunately. If we needed a win, we could get a draw. Yeah. Marshall, I saw he was getting criticised for the goal. Mm. Um, there was some strike. He maybe could have pushed it past. But he got, he got um, a bit of criticism against Austria as well with that not push not getting the ball pushed away um, mm. for the for the rebound kind of thing. But, yeah, as you say, he made some good saves as well. So, um, And Israel did make quite a few chances. I think it was quite even, though, I think. Mm. I was looking at the stats. It was 14 shots from Israel and 13 from Scotland. Seemed awful high. Mm. Don't have yeah. enough. <laughs> Probably not many from Scotland. <laughs> but um, quite a few shots. You know, it was quite... Both... Well, I think both teams realised, you know, because Israel got off to a losing start against Denmark, so both teams probably felt they had to win this one. And mm. it's probably at the same level. We just can't beat each other. Or, well, we can beat them in penalties. Aye. I think Clark's obviously taking the approach. I got over there and thinking, right, Israel, we're going to have to come and have a go at us. Let's hit them with a bit of pace on the counter, which we did to good effect at times with Fraser and Adams. Uh, obviously, the first time they'd played together, but that looks like a, a potentially really good partnership. Yeah, but again, I just why why do we give them so much time and space in the balls, particularly the first half? Mm. We just were like scared to press them. Whereas when you did press them a wee bit, they did start to have problems. Because by all accounts, I think apart from the players, they're not that great. And no, they've only, they've only won something like three out of the last fifteen games. Um, and and this is a problem because we go away because we've played Israel that many times and it's either been a draw or a win or I mean we've had one I think we've had one win in ninety minutes one rest draws and maybe a defeat I think has there been two one win one defeat and the rest have been draws over ninety minutes we've lost it we've lost it twice twice yeah drawn three times so that that's our basis out getting a draw over there. Uh, but the thing is, we come back from that and you think, well, they're not a bad wee team. They're all right. But then, as you said, like, so Denmark go over and beat them. You, you know, Denmark get good result against them and other nations seem to beat them, but we seem to kind of struggle. 
It's like in, if you want to look at it again, remember Kazakhstan? That was the same. I mean, we, we could be over there, and we all thought it that was going to be an easy one. Yeah. It's it's. I, I don't know what it is. It's there's, there's just something about us uh, when we get to these teams. We just we make them look good because yeah, everyone else can seem to do something against them. We've never really. I would never consider Israel like Kazakhstan or. Mm. I'm keeping my fingers crossed with not getting carried away here. We've still got to play the Pharaohs. But I think Israel are quite a solid team and they've always been kind of okay. Scotland are probably just at the okay. We try and get a bit better just now and we look at our players and look at the clubs they're playing for and we think they should be better. We're always expecting them to be better. Mm. Just about our level just now. You know, we're not, you know, I'm hoping it'll form and we'll build a team spirit and we'll keep going and we'll do better. And get them. Well, we've had the breaks actually qualifying. We've got some breaks, but maybe in this campaign as well, get a bit of luck. The, the pleasing thing is we're not getting beat. We're not going behind and then losing. So it's, you know we've seemed to, have, you know, we've moved on from where we were at one point, and we're maybe just not quite as good as we all hope we should be. I think it's belief. McTominay came out in between the two games and said we need to have a bit more confidence and arrogance about us. Mm-hmm. And I thought he played well. I agree with that. And yeah, and he played well. I thought he was good to see him in midfield. Definitely. I um, hope he stays there. Um, but yeah, I just wish we'd have that wee swagger and close teams down, as you were saying, and then just punish them and get, play to a maximum ability. This show is far too much time so often. Um, I was worrying. Second I, half though, when we change things, much better, like going four to back. Um, I will look better. I mean, I wouldn't say we, we were, we created a lot of chances, but we, we looked, you know, we're more comfortable on the ball. Um, we looked a wee bit more composed. Uh, we got a goal. It was a good goal. He took it well, to be fair to him, Fraser, because when you see it, he's had to go back to get it. He's then had to control it, and then he's got three players around him, plus the goalkeeper to try and slot it past. So he's done really, really well. Um, it's I think for us going forward, it's going to be a case of keeping it tight to the back, and then when we do get the chances, actually taking them, because we're not creating a lot of chances at the minute. So it's about when we get those chances, making sure we get something out of them, um, and then keeping it tight to the back. Yeah, there was I because there was a few other times that Fraser and Adams connected all right together. I think uh, there should have been Troy Adams had a decent chance as well at one point. Um, but there was the one as well. I think Tierney, Tierney had the shot and the keeper Marciano saved it and it bounced out and Adams aye, was offside. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't remember anything really else happening up front. Um, no, no. A, couple well, chance, a couple of decent chances in the first half, McTominay. McTominay had a header from a corner, I felt he should have scored. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then there was one not long after whereby um, I think it was O'Donnell put a cross in and McTominay kind of came to the near post and had a shot as well. We, we, we did create chances, but maybe we're just... Maybe it's standard Scotland, we don't create that many clear-cut chances. 
because they're yeah. insane earlier. Like, you may be surprised when you see that there was 14 shots to Israel, 13 to us, but if you do think about it, how many of them were actually genuine, like, good chances? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there wasn't much creative. Yeah, there wasn't many. Like, yeah, you see the McTominay header. That been a, should have been a target, really. That was a really good chance. He rose yeah. quite high above them all. So that was probably the only really out chance I can really think of that was, um, you know, like a really good, really good opportunity. But, um, yeah, so a bit disappointing, really. The, more so the Israel game, I think, not getting the victory. Um, I think Austria did well to come back, but, you know, it's about time to start beating Israel. That's it, because you'd think by now we kind of have an idea of how they play, who the, the best players are, you know. You'd think we'd, we'd know by now um, who we should be watching and looking out for. Um but sometimes it's like it's like a total surprise. Um, there was because there was one incident. I'm trying to remember. I think it was the second. I was say a second half. The corner where the boys had a free header, and he should have played it across the goal, but he's went for the near post, yeah. and, he, and, and it just went wide. Yeah. He, um, the, the Israel lad, he had like a powerful header, wasn't it? Yeah, and. It's like, well, why are we not marking him? You, you, you know, you, you know, like he, he's a dangerous lad, that number seven. But we, yeah, we just we don't seem to be. It's like a surprise to them at times. They had a they had a terrific chance as well. There was a cross at one point, and Tom McTominay or Donald got drawn in to kind of try and cover the striker. Mm. It was their number twelve. Um, who was it? Menashem had a free header that he put by the post. Do you remember that one? So, well, well, we're lucky in the sense as well that their best striker wasn't even never came on to about ten minutes to go, and he wasn't fit. You know the boy De Boer or Bader, whatever his name is. Yeah. The boy that came on. I mean, he, he plays in Holland, I think. Um. So we were lucky in that aspect. Yeah, it's it's just deflating. It's just, you go into it and you think, here we go, this will be a good start to a campaign, we're away. And it's two games, a home game, and a game you think you should win, and you've got two points out of it. And now we've got, like, we've got to go to Copenhagen, we've got to go to Vienna, you know? Yeah, it's... Towards the end of the game, I felt that we didn't really have anyone coming off the bench that was going to create anything. Mm. I know we're obviously Clark's setting us like three at the back system and, and that, but he's got to have a plan B. So no mm. player we actually had that can play as a winger properly as Fraser. I, I don't think Christy can do the job as a winger, as I've said before. So we need another option. Obviously, James Forrest, hopefully fit for Celtic and he'll get back in. But if we do have that plan B, we need more wide players. Simple <laughs> game, get wide players crossing at the box. Maybe I, I think Tierney should be given that role to get up and down. Aye. Doing that and his crossing is at a high, obviously a high standard. So playing to his strength would be good. Um, but yeah, getting James Forrest back would be a big lift. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but, but even up front, we've always been a bit, you know, struggling. The midfields, yeah, we're spoiled almost the midfield mm-hmm. opportunities. But up front, we've, well, hopefully Adams is a big find for us. Um, they've always kind of struggled a bit up front. 
it'll be interesting to see what kind of changes are made for Wednesday. I would expect there'll be a, a few changes, but we probably still need to be cautious that Faroe Islands are probably playing some of their best football over the last you kind know, of year or so. They're getting kind of slightly better results and giving kind of scares. So we, we can't go full scale and change the whole team, I don't think. No, no I'm, I've just been looking at their score. So although they may not sound good when you, when you read them in paper, when you think about where they've came from to where they've been, so they've, they've, they've in the last four games, um, they've drawn three and lost one. So they lost to Austria, they drew away Moldova, drew away Malta, and away to Latvia. Um, bet Andorra and lost to Lithuania, two one away, and yeah. drew with Latvia home. So I mean, it's I mean they've had decent results for them because obviously I would imagine that's been that Nations League with really Latvia and Andorra. That's it. Confidence. Exactly. And I think we do need to be a wee bit cautious because we've all seen that movie before with Scotland at home um, to Minnows. So I do think we've, we should have enough in the tank to beat them and, and beat them comfortably. Um, I think it was something like 2 0, to be honest with you. About 2 0 1. I'll gladly take that. As long as we get a victory and there's no slip ups. Um, I mean, we've had some dodgy results, dodgy draws against them in the past. Yeah. Um, I bet the Volks were nearly go beat um, uh, um, two each. Thinking back to that, that was a really scary result. That would have been up there with one of the worst, yeah. one of the biggest shocks. That would have been up with the Kazakhstans. <laughs> um, and we drew one each with them when they got a late goal, 99. Then we had a good one with Alex McLeish here in 2006. We beat them 6 0 at Celtic Park. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Chris, did Chris Boyd score that day? Uh, Chris Boyd, uh, Kenny Miller. I remember Kenny Miller scored from Bentley and he'd been crying out to score a goal and he scored. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's Kenny Miller then. I, I thought it was Chris Boyd, but yeah, we played really well that day. We absolutely battered them. Yeah. So we did. And which is which is unusual for Scotland because normally we don't tend to get a lot of the, the big four, five, sixes. So it's always good when we get one. Yeah, just looking at the results, because that was the first time we played them, we beat them 5 1. That was a big result. But after that, you know, the scores, apart from the 6 0, you know, they went walkovers. So. <clears throat> Plus, yeah. they'll, they'll do that thing that we struggle, but they'll probably park the bus. So then it'll be up to us to like open it. And that's where I think we not struggle, but we'll, we'll, take, we'll take our time. That's why we don't get the, the goals, because we're not maybe as gifted as other nations opening up teams straight away because of the way we play. So it'll probably be one of those long, tedious games and we'll get a goal either just before half-time or in about the 60th minute and then we'll probably get another one just before the end. So that's how I'm going with the 2-0. Oh, you're going to a goal just before half-time and a goal just before full-time, aye? Uh, aye, to, that's it. To keep it, yeah. ten, keep it tense, aye. But it's, <laughs> in terms of, it's, it's weird because... We could actually, after the three games, be in second place, which would be decent. Do we think we want Denmark to beat Austria? Do we want a draw? Or even do we want Austria to beat Denmark? Ah. No, Denmark to win. For me, I think... Want you Denmark need... to run away with the group now. Aye, so, you, need, you, need, you need Denmark to, to just run away with, to be honest with you. Because I don't think we could win this group. Because I think Denmark will win no matter what happens. I think Denmark are, are the stronger team. Um... I think you want Denmark to run away with it and then try and get in that playoff place. 
between us, Austria and Israel. I think Israel will start to falter. I think they'll draw points and it'll be between us and Austria. So, well, if Denmark beat Austria, we should be in second place, shouldn't we? Should be nine Austria points, beat Fair as I obviously are, yeah. Yeah, so we'll be nine, nine for Denmark, five for Scotland, then four for Austria, I think. Yeah. So that'd be not a bad way to, to finish up before. Yeah, that'd be not too bad. So everything's better than Denmark to run away with the group. Aye. I think so, yeah. See, the thing is, like, if we get, like, maximum points from Moldova and Faroes were on 14 points, and then you've maybe got to pick up two other ones out of four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See, the problem is, is this, is before we play these teams... We always think we'll get maximum points. Yeah. And then we play these teams and then we end up... There'll be, there'll be a game that we'll slip up out of one of them. And and, and that'll be the one. And and, and that... Oh, it's... Right now, my, my heart's saying I... We'll, we'll, for what you've just said, we could pick up easily. What's that? 12 points to the two Pharaohs games and the two Moldova games. But do I trust Scotland to pick up 12 points? My head's saying no. I don't trust them to do it. Just because I, I thought we would pick up six points two games against Israel. Yeah. Sorry, you think we were, you thought we were going to get six points? Yeah, I thought we, would, we could beat Israel home and away. I thought by now, surely, we would have known how to play Israel uh, home and away. Um, so, I just... I, I, I just I, I don't know with Scotland because I'll be honest with you, this is feasible. We could probably be Faroe Islands home and away, be Moldova at home, draw with Moldova away, and probably be Denmark at home. You know what will happen? We, we the last game against Denmark, we've got to beat them. Aye, we'll, we'll probably need to beat them by two goals or something. We'll win two one. Aye, but Denmark, or Denmark, maybe will have qualified by then. Yeah, and then it's. I packed Hamden. Nice. I, I just don't. I just don't trust Scotland. I, I really don't. I can't. I can't. I've, I've. I've just been. I've seen this movie so many times. I mean, you. You guys must be the same. I just. I, I wish. I wish sometimes I was like Spanish or French, where I could go into games and say, "Oh, these games are a waste of time." You know, we'll just win them. But when you yeah, when, when, France against Kazakhstan, they weren't. They weren't great. I, <laughs> They win, though. You know what I mean? When we're not great, we draw or get beat. I might go on a favour. Well, I shouldn't really be saying this because Tartan Army, they're the extra man. But if we're not, if we're going down the scenario that we're actually struggling against the Pharaohs, it might be good that they're not going to crowd sort of going on the back early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Aye. So that could be one thing. But I think we'll score quite early, hopefully. I'm confident we'll score against them quite early. And, <clears throat> and do. I think we'll do okay in this game. Do you think Nisbet will got to run out at some point, maybe off the bench? It's the best time to play him. Yeah, exactly. He brought him into the squad. Yeah, give him a go. Mm. Bring him on. You think he got a chance at some point. Mm. It looks now like McBurney is about fourth choice striker um, from the first few games. He's not featured. Yeah, I was thinking about that and I don't think Probably not too many people will be too unhappy with that, really. Yeah. 
for the Pharaohs game, I wouldn't see the benefit of playing McBurney simply because, for me, McBurney's more of a player that seems to hold the ball up and kind of try to get something and you know let the the other players get up the park. Now against the Faroe Islands, you would like to think that we'll be the ones up the park all the time. You know we'll be pinning them in. So you'd, for me, I'd rather have somebody there that can score a goal rather than someone that can hold the ball up. Um, that tactic for me, I think, is probably better against bigger teams. Um, but it's, I suppose it's what you think of that. Uh, well, as he did bring, if McBurney did get a game, the only good point, if he scored, it might be that, given that we break, he's been needing that, you know, he's been a bit unlucky hitting the crossbar in the past and stuff and just not getting that break just to get fans off his back and get that goal, maybe for his confidence, but yeah, we probably dropped down now anyway. That Adams is in the squad. Mm. I think we're worthwhile continuing with the Fraser Adams partnership, yeah, Oaks, and then potentially maybe going into the Euros. That could be a partnership up front, um, just depending on systems that we play. So, you're talking about we're, we're, we're back to reality now, aren't we? After the, the highs of last week and the optimism. Yeah, I think that was the worry anyway. I was kind of thinking after we qualified, uh, beating Serbia and beating Israel before that, and penalties, we had these two games where we lost 1 0 in both of them. The two final games, uh, Israel and who was that again? Slovakia. Slovakia and Israel were lost. And we looked kind of tired. We were kind of hoping that, that was just because we'd been celebrating the victory in Serbia. But it kind of has been a bit of a reality check, I think, these two games that were not quite as good as we're hoping Scotland should be. Kind of a bit annoying. <laughs> I'm sure Slovakia as well get beat off of somebody. But it wasn't, it wasn't like a big team. Because um, I remember the, the score coming up and I was like, wow, they've got beat. I'm just, I'm just trying to see who it was. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm the same as you guys. I wish we hadn't had these games. I wish we'd qualified and then... That was us, there was just friendlies until the actual tournament, you know, because it does kind of, oh, it does kind of get you down a wee bit because it kind of puts you back to where you were, you know, prior to it. It'll be great once we get there. What's that? You're saying you wish we hadn't qualified to tournament? No, no, I wish we'd qualified, but we hadn't played these games afterwards. Okay. So, you know, since we qualified for the Euros, we've had to play, obviously, the last two games there and everything. I wish we just had friendlies. Like, what normally happens, you normally qualify for a tournament, and then once you've qualified for the tournament, you then obviously have friendlies, and then the tournament starts. You know what I mean? Um, But we've had, like, qualifiers for the World Cup in between. I think we're better playing competitive games and friendlies. We are terrible at friendlies. Yeah. I know. Aye, but, aye, but what you can do is if you pick the right teams, you know what I mean? You get confidence. You know I mean, you get a few victories under your belt, you know? And you're going into a tournament and the team knows how to win, what have you. If your team's got them, I think it's five games in a row now that they've not won. We're just putting folk into a false sense of security, right? It's fine. Aye, Slovakia. Slovakia drew two each with Malta. (sighs) I'll get you some more positive news. We're now only 8-7 down in the predictions game. Oh, that's fantastic. 
a point of the weekend. So we're, we're on, hi, we're on his tails. We're on Ali's tails. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be one of you that's representing the podcast this week. <laughs> I'll, pass on that one. I'll pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> on you go. I think you did. You know, do you all right? Well, I think you did all right last time. I think you maybe. Oh, you. Did I get still an album or something one time? I think maybe. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't think I do well when it comes to lo- the, the low leagues. I don't think I've, I've bet them at all this season. Right, I'll tell you what, right, live on air, I, I'll get a wee coin in my pocket. Okay. All right. So I've got a, a wee uh, 20 pence here. As you win, tails I lose. Right, so seeing as the way I'm looking at the screen, Ian is on top, Tony is on the bottom, so Ian is heads. So is it heads Ian wins, tails I lose? <laughs> so <laughs> heads for Ian. If it's got heads, then it's Ian that is a uh, picking. If it's tails, it's you that's picking, right, Tony? Right, all right. Okay. You ready? Go for it. You see that? What is it? So head. It's heads. So Ian. There you go. You, you have got the the pressure. Okay. Thanks. See. It was, it was in the hand of the gods, there, Ian. You, you know, you've obviously been chosen. I feel like it was either that or rock paper scissors. <laughs> Which could have, that could have lasted all night, I think. Mm. Um, so the championship, and actually, big news in the championship before we then you were predictions. Dave Logan is joining on loan. Hearts, um, in all likelihood, is he will be moving there. Mm. Um, I think poss- possibly at the end of the season. Don't know. I heard other potential rumours that he could go maybe Cove Rangers, definitely on part time. But he has joined at the end of the season, and Christoph Berah will leave in the summer. The Hearts. So that's news from earlier on today within the last kind of or couple of hours. Do you know what? I, I was always a big fan of Berra. I, I, I always liked him. Um, and I think it's just sad the way his kind of career's kind of altered towards the end. Because I've I, I seen a lot of Hearts fans giving him like stick and everything with regards to the performances and what have you. And I just felt shame because like he, at one point, I think he was Scotland's best set of half, I thought, one time. You know, when he went down to Wolves, was he went to? He went down there. Um, yeah, he, he was great, but it's just a shame that it, it never quite went the way that I think a lot of thought it might go. Like, I'm going to a big level in the Premier League. Yeah, the only issue we might have is whether there's enough games on Saturday. Because obviously it's a Scottish Cup weekend. There is only one game in the Championship. There's none in League One. I'm checking to see how many there is in League 2. Oh, we're all right. We're all right. I think what we'll do is we'll take the three games in League 2, okay, Ian? Which might make it even more difficult, but it does mean Stalin Albion are in the match. So, we've got on Saturday Arnon Athletic versus Elgin. We've got Kelden Beef against Albion Rovers. And we've got Queen's Park 
versus Stirling Albion. You got the league positions there. I've got the league positions. I'll give you a wee, a wee step for a hint. So, okay. And an Athletic are seventh in the league. Yeah. Elgin are fifth in the league. Uh, Arnon, since the return, because there's been two games each, I think, since the return uh, to fixtures. Arnon have drawn the last two games. Uh, and Elgin have lost one, drawn one. Yeah, I'm good for Elgin away. Go for like? Elgin. Uh, what's your score? Go for 1 0. Okay, one now to Elgin. So Kilnan and Beef, Albion Rovers. So Kilnan Beef are eighth. Albion Rovers are ninth. Uh, again, the last two games, Kilnan and Beef have had two draws in the last two. Albion Rovers have lost one, drawn one. Kilnan Beef, home win. You're going for a home win? Yeah. Should be going for a draw right now, but no, home win, yeah. Uh, it's not going to be, I hope it's not by many goals. Kilnan and Beef have scored seven goals in 10 games. I was going to say 2 0 now, I'm thinking 1 0. <laughs> Right, you on one now, Ken and Beef? Yeah. Right, okay. And then Queen's Park against Stolen Albion. So Queen's Park are in first, um, still unbeaten in the league. And Stolen Albion are in third. Stolen Albion one now. Both. No, 2 1. The 2 1 at Stolen Albion. Yeah. So Queen's Park got the right to, to end. Right, okay. I've got to stop the run at some point, and Albion's a team to do it. Okay, it's all right. Up. Oh, is that right in reading the Queen's Park are moving to Falkirk Stadium? For yeah, a bit? they are. How, how, long, how long and what's the situation with that? They just can't afford Hamden anymore? Or? So they played the last game. I'm just presuming since uh, the SFA took over ownership. Yeah, because Hamden's been sold. All oh, right, so they're not even allowed to lease it or anything? or. It used to be the other way around. They leased it out to... Oh, they leased out to the SFA. Um, and then, should they be unable to play at Falkirk, they'll play at Stenhouse. Well, I suppose the thing is, just now, there's no massive issue because fans aren't allowed in. It'd be different if fans were allowed in. It's a bit tricky mm. to get to games. But the long-term plan is Queen's Park to play at Lesser Hamden, which makes sense anyway in terms of crowds and stuff like that. Mm. On the subject of crowds, was it, it was quite nice to see crowds in Tel Aviv. Yeah, see, see real supporters instead of the the makeshift noise that the the games have been doing, which I still can't get my head round. <laughs> uh, so it's nice to see real people in a football stadium again, giving us hope. Mm. Yeah, do you know that, that guy that was there? Don't keep us saying I'm the famous Tartan Army. Yes, yes, <laughs> famous. Yeah, that's amazing. Well done him. Like I don't know what was more tense last night, the Scotland game or line of duty. Um, to be fair, no watcher. You know what's line of duty? Nah, don't, nah, nah, I've done two seasons, the first two seasons, and then I've, um, yeah, just, yeah, it was, was alright. I just never really got into it that much. Into it. Ian, are you a fan? You know something, I watched the first episode ever last week, um, and I'm going to watch this new one and catch up, because unlike you, I actually watched the whole football game and didn't turn it off to watch line of duty. No, I watched the game and then I watched, I watched the recording. I recorded it. I'm only joking. You need to go back and watch it all, though, to learn. No, no, I've been told it's been absolutely brilliant. You've been hearing it for I don't know how long. And so I watched it first time last week. I'm going to watch this catch up. I've been told this episode is not, this series isn't as good as the last one because it's all different characters, but it'll probably get better. But um, yeah. I'm one of the people who's heard this name going on for ages and ages and never watched it. So, I mean, it took the plunge last week. 
Aye, no, it is good. I, I never got into it initially, and it was the mother-in-law kept on saying, oh, you need to watch it, you need to watch it. And somehow, weirdly enough, managed to avoid what happens in it, which is weird on the day of the internet. You'd think you would know the story. Um, and then went and watched it, binged it, watched it all. Um, and I think the last series was the last one that I watched live as such, um, with Stephen Graham, so I know it's good. So are you looking forward to the new partnership, potentially Glass and Brown? Up at yeah. well, it's funny because after the podcast last week, Scott said to me, I so what's happening in Aberdeen? What's the latest? And I said, I don't really know. I think it's maybe a bit of media talk about uh, about Glass because Cormac had come out and said, oh, we're, we're still waiting to decide who the manager's going to be and all that. That was only a few days before. And then it broke out. I think it must have been about 10 minutes after the papers were running with the story that, yeah, Glass is going to be the manager. And again, the rumours about Brown was going to be assistant. Um, so Glass obviously get confirmed on the Tuesday, which it's hard to say. He's obviously managed a bit by Atlanta. Um, second team he covered for De Boer at some point as well. By all accounts of have heard, he likes to develop young players, which is certainly part of our philosophy just now at Aberdeen. Likes to play possession-style football. He's come out and said he'll play attacking football. So he's saying all the right things, um, which is good. And then, obviously, there was the announcement then, what, two days later about Brown, which is one that's going to divide fans because he's obviously got a bit of a, a frosted relationship, to say the least, with Waberine fans because of various incidents over the, the past. It's a difficult one. I think he'll be an asset. He's a born winner. He's someone that I think if he's not in your team, you absolutely hate. I think if he's in your mm. team, no, you no worship him, but you, you know you're going to get a shift out of him. Mm. Um, and he's, he's got a good habit of picking up trophies so if he can pick up a couple of trophies with us maybe the, the misdemeanours in the past will be forgotten there are some that the, the whole racism incident with Tony was, a, was an awkward one um, he backed him obviously initially but then Tony was found guilty and probably Brown maybe should have come out and apologise for it but you would think if Cormac's willing to have him at the club, I think there's probably been discussions maybe about these types of things and it's been addressed or whatever. Um, so, aye. I think Brown will do well at the club. Um, as a player, is he going to help? Is he going to play much? I don't know. Um, I think he'll help out the likes of Lewis Ferguson, McCrory, maybe even Campbell if he's still there. Should help these guys move on, take their game to a different level. And I think just then give be a good influence in the dressing room in terms of making people believe that they can they win these big games. It'd be interesting when they go go and play Celtic for the first time. Mm. Uh, but that. So aye, it's exciting. New year, I thought we were to change. Um, and fans I think are always going to be divided when you got a new manager in and someone that's a bit inexperienced, regardless of whether they were a player with a club. Um, I think there'll be a bit of hesitation, but it's an exciting new time. There's a chance to build a new squad as well. We've only got about 12 players in contract beyond the end of the season so there's going to be a fair work in the summer or up to then recruiting players um, various speculations Declan Gallagher might be one that comes in which could be a good signing um, obviously we'll get linked probably inevitably with a few Celtic players because of Brown coming um, the big one that's getting mentioned is Lee Griffiths if you can get a fit Lee Griffiths um, in your team he's your number one striker you're probably guaranteed 15-20 goals a season Um so I'd be I'd be happy enough with that one if he's in the right um headspace and fitness wise. 
and keep you good. But yeah, we'll need we'll need quite a few players. Uh, do you think do you think you'll bring Glasgow bling players over for the MOS or America? He might do. He might do. Obviously, he obviously know players over there, and he could, maybe he knows a wee diamond or two that can come over and do well. I've got kind of mixed views about loan signings. If you can get a loan signing that's going to stay there the full season, then fair enough. Mm. We've had situations before, though. We've had like likes of um, Danny Ward come in, and he came in half a season and get recalled, and we had a good chance of maybe pushing Celtic for the league lot here. So. Yeah, if it's a year loan deal, that's fine. Um, or maybe you might even get permanent transfers from there. But Samaki will know. Mm. Um, and players might want to come over here and see Aberdeen as a stepping stone for going down south. Yeah, I think it's something that Celtic and Rangers do when they sign players from abroad. They kind of sign them on the premise Aber- that you come here, Aber- you do well, you can go down to England. Maybe we Aber- need to Aberdeen- try do the same. Aberdeen done it as well with Madison. If you remember Madison, that was a that was a great loan you had out of him. Um, he was fantastic. That's when I first remember ever hearing his name when he was a use. I think yeah. they scored a free kick against Celtic. Scored a free kick against Rangers. Uh, uh, instantly gives you hero worship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, great player. But yeah, it's the same times. I think um, good thing is the appointments before the end of the season, so you can look at the players that are there to decide. The ones that are out of contract at the end of the season, who he wants to keep and who he doesn't. Um, there was news today, Jack McKenzie, a boy that made his debut against Dundee United, he signed a two-year deal, um, which is good. And I think there is young talent there. Um, it's just trying to get the, the balance right because you can say you want to change all that, you want to sign and entertain in football, but at the end of the day, football's a results game. And if we're mm-hmm. to then be slipping to, I don't know, bottom six, would fans still be as happy? Um We'll see. But I'm excited. I'm excited. It's a change. The other thing I'm interested in, Brown's been brought in as a, a player coach as opposed to a player assistant, which was first rumoured. So I don't know whether we're going to get an assistant in from elsewhere or whether Glass will maybe decide to maybe have Sheeran or Barry Robson uh, maybe as assistant, someone that's already at the club. Um, the interesting one, though, is the boy Russell, that's the striker coach at England, that he's going to be in the coach. Um the coaching capacity, but he'll want to still be involved mm. with England as well. He's coaching, obviously, likes a hurricane, stuff like that with England in terms of how to score goals. So if it's good enough for England, then it can help out whoever our strikers will be in that season as well. It's quite an ex- exciting time. I think uh, Brown's a big, massive loss to Celtic. Um, come to the end of his playing career, but his whole influence to have him in the background staff, I think Aberdeen have, you know, pulled off a great move by getting him. And the fact that he's got a good relationship with uh, Booth. So, Glass. Glass, sorry. I knew I was saying yeah. the wrong earlier. I knew that. <laughs> um, got a good relationship going back to the Hibs days. And I think, you know, that can only be good. I think it's, well, fingers crossed for Aberdeen that it makes them stronger. Oh, it's something fresh and new, isn't it? It's like, I think the big thing for Celtic is that. Maybe Brownie Allen this season didn't play particularly well, but I think you could have said that for most of the squad. Whereas recently, and even maybe going to the old drum game recently against Rangers, he was maybe man of the match. I think he was given man of the match. He can still cut it and one's the best in the league. Um, and it's his leadership, right? The leadership's a big thing. Mm. Uh, it's his, his presence in the club, I think, will be the thing that Celtic will miss the most. Uh, maybe not so much he, his play, because his play maybe the last couple of years has, obviously with age. Just not being as good as well as maybe three or four years ago, but his presence and aura around the place, you know. Um, I think it is 
clear to say when Brown doesn't play in, in the Celtic first team. Um, sometimes there isn't a get up and add them for the rest of the players. There's a lack of leadership, you know, when they're playing when Brown doesn't play. Um, so, the, so Ian's right in that sense that them going to Aberdeen is going to leave a huge hole with Celtic. Um, and I, I don't know who they'll get in to replace or who's going to step up. Um, I mean, McGregor's the one that's been touted at the moment, but I don't really see him. I see him more similar to like what Paul McStay was, as opposed to Brown. You know, more of a quiet kind of leader. Um, whereas Brown was something that was in your face, and and I think that that'll be a benefit for Aberdeen because sometimes it's probably something that a lot of folk have said about Aberdeen when they played either Celtic or Rangers at times is um, the the bit soft, you know. Because um, I I always think Aberdeen's a hard game, uh, and I will always think that. But sometimes um, they're quite defensive, quite defensive. Um, so I think. Having somebody like that with a wee bit of dig, um, a bit of leadership as well, will, will be a great asset for Aberdeen. He's a, a bar steward, is the polite term. Mm. And everyone likes a bar steward in their team. Yeah. As long as they're their bar, your bar steward. Ah, sir. I bar steward. Yeah. I've done, well, I've done well to keep saying that and not say the, the actual one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. He is, he's one of those players. I remember before he signed for Celtic, I hated him. Uh, you had a fight with Lennon, I remember one time. Um, and oh, I, th- I thought he was like oh, a cocky wee so-and-so when he was a Hibs. You know, he was always in your face. And I thought, oh, oh God. He-, he was just one of the players that I really did not like. Um, and, you- and then he came to Celtic and I was like, yeah, I like this boy. You can see why. I mean, the Hibs fans liked him. So I, I think... Once he settles in with Aberdeen, I think Aberdeen fans will like him. They will. It's just at that minute in time, I think you just associate him with Celtic. And once once he's more settled in, and you see him actually wearing the red, then I think it'll be more easier for, for fans to like him. Yeah. Going back to Celtic, so is Roy Keane going to be the next Celtic manager? <laughs> the two of you, the two of you both rolled your eyes there. Uh, which says it all, I think. Oh, oh. I don't think MD knows. I, I, I don't think MD in the club knows. I, I, I just, it just seems to be going day to day with a new person. I mean, it all depends on who you believe in the papers. I mean, the papers, well, at the beginning of last week, were saying it was definitely going to be keen, it was going to be an announcement, and there was rumours that. Uh, there was going to be a big announcement today, and um, the thing is, there's nobody to, in charge who can make the decision because the new guy doesn't come in until I'm sure it's the end of June. I think he's in now. I think he's finished with the SFA. The is he? Yeah. So not the SFA. The SRU. Sorry. Yes, I yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I read that in the, the media last week. Because the Fran- France game's obviously been so maybe it's now actually maybe he he goes this week, um, but I, I I'd heard I'd heard talk today that Eddie Howe was in quarantine. Uh, that was a, the speculation working at a house, but no sure suppose a two bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> he may be in his holidays or maybe having a, st- a staycation or something. You know what I mean? Quarantine's uh, a place to be. 
Suppose uh, the Roy Keane one will be the the Desmond they'll probably be wanting to get him in terms of maybe thinking it's bot's office. I but, think he offered him the job before, didn't he? And Roy Keane had said that he didn't feel Celtic had the money. Yeah. Didn't commit themselves or show enough uh there's no backing for him up. So maybe if he does come this time, Celtic will push the boat out and get the players in. Um I don't think he'll be overly a fan's favourite. I don't think. No, I, th- I think it'll be a right mix. I think probably about 60 40, probably don't want him. There'll still be a, a, an element that don't want him because of who he is and who he played for, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I, I don't see what would make him the ideal candidate because he's not managed in 10 years. And the last time he managed was at Ipswich and he never really done well with them. Um, I know he done well with Sunderland, but uh, he, he never had a, a good time at Ipswich. Uh, I suppose I, the only I, thing might be as he's worked under O'Neill now and he's maybe learned a bit under O'Neill and learned how to maybe be a bit more, um, not quite so headstrong, be a bit more level-headed. Mm. Maybe he's learned that way, but looking from the outside, I think if you get Roy Keane in, I think I would be... If I was a betting man, I'd be back, back in Rangers to win the title that season again. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one thing I think whoever, whoever whoever does come in, I think will be backed because Celtic are going to do all they can to to try and get the league back because next, next year is a 30 million league title, basically. Because yeah. You're, you're guaranteed your Champions League place, aren't you? Yeah. The there'll be a few going as well. I would imagine Edward will be away. I mean, I hear, I'm hearing rumours down here that Liverpool have been watching him. Um, Ayer has been linked to go away um, Christie I think will probably be going out the door um, so I mean I think I think there'll be a few big names that will be leaving Celtic um, so he'll need to start rebuilding the squad um, I mean straight away even without them leaving at Celtic you'll need to look at the goalkeeping situation whoever comes in they'll need to look at the goalkeeping situation they'll need to look at the defence um, I think we've got something like somebody was saying we've got six or seven low knees. So you've got um, Duffy will be away, Laxa will be away. Oh, you'll miss Duffy, won't you? Oh, yeah. I don't know who else to blame. Laxa <laughs> <laughs> um, right, will be away. You, you know, um, who else is there? There are other loans. Yeah, Aye, he'll be away. I mean, he, he's probably one of the better players, to be honest with you, at this moment in time. Um, so, I mean, th- th- there's another space. And if Edward goes and then Griffiths goes to Aberdeen, we are re- struggling for strikers. So there's going to be a whole new rebuild that will have to be done in Celtic. So that's why I think they need to try and get someone in ASAP. It just seems to be dragging. I, I don't know if they're looking at the director of football first and then bring the manager in. Or they're doing it the other way around. Nobody seems to know what's happening. See if it is all I see with the director of football, regardless of whether he is in charge just now or not. He was appointed, what, about a month or so ago? So, surely there's probably been the talks to say, look, who do you, what's your thoughts? Um, I don't know. You'd like to think someone like, uh, well, obviously someone lined up or. But I think it's a big, huge catch-up anyway, because see the way Rangers performed this year uh, in Europe, especially in Europe. 
you know, they're really strong, and if they keep their team or add to their team, it's catch up for everybody else. If yeah. they can play at that level, like this, the consistency was unbelievable. The year before they fell away, just about Christmas time, but last year, you know, they've got they've got over that hurdle now. They've they've got a, you know, they've proven that they're winners. So it takes that psychological bit away from them, where they might have been. If Celtic had been on their tails this year, it might have been a bit. We might have been interested to see what happened, but. You know, they've done it now and it's catch up for everybody else and hopefully Aberdeen will become a stronger team and it can only be good for Scottish football if we get more stronger teams. And um... Yeah. I was getting mixed up in that. I wasn't meaning director of football. I was meaning the replacement for uh, Peter Law. No, I will. No. But yeah, the, the, the big thing will be in terms of when you look at Rangers, the Rangers really need to make too many additions. I think they'll make probably two or three, but they've got a pretty settled squad. Um, the other thing is that the talk is they might like try and sell someone to balance the books a wee bit um, mm. but I think that they're certainly in a strong position um, and if Celtic are going to have to make so many changes we need to make so many changes you know what it's like it takes time for players to bed in to settle in mm. and particularly at Celtic or Rangers you don't get time to, to settle you need to be ready for the off yeah it's exciting times I think Scottish football is box office just now it's quite exciting yeah, yeah it'll be good the, the start of next season will, will be really really good to watch and see what's going on um, should, should be a good season next year I, I just hope I think what Ian was saying earlier on I just hope there will be fans to go to the games because if we get the fans back and we have an exciting season it's just, it's just well, it'll be great again so, I, I, I honestly didn't think I would miss fans as much as I have done uh, I really do. I mean, there's games that you watch in the tele in the past where I thought, yeah, I'll watch that because you normally get a good atmosphere and everything. And sometimes an atmosphere can crack, oh, sorry, it can hide the cracks of a bad game because there's a really good atmosphere. Um, but I have, I've missed having fans of games watching on the tele and even going. It's just, it's just not been the same. Yeah, hopefully it gets back to some normality next year. Mm hmm. Pretty tough watching some of these games, as you say. Yes, yeah, football without fans is nothing. I, I, t- I, t- I tell you what, I think the Premiership has been found out how much they rely on the fans to sell their product because of the amount of terrible games that I've sat through and watched. Uh, even even if there's a games coming on on a Sunday, I'll go. I don't want to watch it because I'm, I'm sick to death seeing nil nils. Like terrible, terrible games, and that's what I'm saying. Maybe the, the fans would have, you know, if it'd been like, I'd, I'd say, um, Man United, for example, this season, I've, I've been awful for it. But I, it's, I think that their league's been found out that it's fans is a big, big thing for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll I would see what happens. Uh, you want to say something here? Ian, sorry. I, know, I was just saying, I wonder, you know, it's, not look, it's not looking too good, but I wonder if we'll get fans of the Euros, you know, hammed and stuff. Mm. I don't know. Too good um, at but... Yeah, we spoke before, Ian, in the podcast about the fact that the FA Cup down south are, are going to have fans at least at the semi-finals, so yeah. maybe whether that's something that we can aim for ourselves in terms of trying to get fans at maybe the cup competitions, but I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah, but we'll see. Um, but before we finish up, I just wanted to say as well, we put up a wee thing ahead of the Scotland games. Um, shows are top, so top taps off, uh, which went pretty well. We got a good response, lots of different tops. Um, Scotland retro ones, new ones, old, 
t-shirts yes I can boogie so thanks to everyone that contributed to that it was good and we'll probably do it again for the Faroe Islands game so um, someone did point out to me it should have been taps off as opposed to taps off yeah. <laughs> you got the idea anyway it was good we get good responses <laughs> so we'll do it again for the Faroe's game so uh, get involved and thanks to everyone that did already for the previous oh, two excellent for that. so cheers guys Oh, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. And here's to a good big victory against the Pharaohs. Hope yes. so. Right, speak to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.